What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of The Honest Podcast. This is your favorite host, Brooke Witt. On today's episode, we have the chance to interview and learn from a social work therapist. He's been featured on The Kelly Clarkson Show and several other podcasts, coaching on topics from mental health awareness, public speaking, relationships, and confidence boosting, calling from New York, Ellie Weinstein. What, a, what an introduction. <laughs> I know, I need a crowd thing. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm super excited about this. Absolutely. I'm really excited about this too. I posted on my story today. I was like two people who love to talk about relationships. And I saw that. Episode. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's going to be great. It's it gonna is going to be, really be great. great. Absolutely. For sure. So I was, you sent me, I always ask, you know, the people that I interview for a bio and you sent me this bio and it was amazing. That's why the introduction was amazing, but clearly what don't you do? Like, I I finally met somebody that I think does probably more than myself because I feel like I do a lot, but (laughs) there's a lot going on. It's like a juggling different parts of me. Like some days, like I work every day. Right. I'm a therapist all day, every day. And then these little extra things kind of give me so much passion. Right. To do what I do on a daily basis and kind of like feeds my soul. Mm-hmm. So, so sometimes I do get this feeling of being pulled in different directions, yeah. whether it's an article writing here or a podcast here or an interview there or something there. But in the end, it's kind of like this circle of life that I kind of feel I need because I get some things from therapy that I don't get from the other things. And I get things from the other things that I don't get from being a therapist. Right. It's not like this weird kind of like system I have set up. For sure. But at least you're listening to that and following it though. You know what I mean? And I obviously we're going to get into everything that you do, but I just wanted to share, show the listeners or tell the listeners what it is that you sent me. So therapist, relationship coach, public speaking coach, I put mental health advocate. Am I missing anything else? That's perfect. That sounds good. I'm a, hus- <laughs> I'm a husband. I'm a father. Right. Yeah. You know, that all too. those things. <laughs> That's important as well. I can't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to. My wife right. makes make sure I don't forget it. No, you cannot. Well, that's awesome. So for like during the week, you're a social work therapist. Yes. I work right. in a community clinic in New York seeing... 30, 40 people a week. Okay. And that's Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday. Yeah. Okay. And how long have you been doing that? Over three years. That's amazing. And I feel like before we recorded this podcast, I was thinking of questions and I, I could probably do a whole episode of me just asking you what it's like to be a therapist because I'm so curious, but I would rather have people learn about tips and, you know, stuff like that too. But I am interested in your story and how, and like why therapy. I think that's interesting. So if you don't mind sharing, why did you want to go into that? Of course. Yeah. I think that I always love people. I always had a place in my heart for people my mom used to tell me stories of me growing up when I would see people who were homeless or, or blind or deaf, people who were disabled or um, looked at as less than in society yeah. would break my heart. And I would always want to know what I can do to help the other people when they're vulnerable and need, need someone. Yeah. So, you know, of course, classic, you know, I'm an Orthodox Jewish guy. Hey, let's be a doctor. So um, don't have the smarts for that or the uh, brain power for that. <laughs> So I thought, what's the next best thing that I can help someone at their highest and lowest points in their life and be there as an advocate, as someone who gives them love and care and affection with no strings attached. Mm -hmm. That was a therapist. And I thought, let's go for it. And, you know, being a therapist is really enjoyable, but also really hard because you're sitting there taking on other people's emotions. Uh, Some clients are not easy to work with. Some right. clients are really wonderful and like fill your heart with joy. Right. And it's a mixed bag depending on the day that you're working and where someone's at in their journey. Right. Are you, so you, do you get to pick your clients or is it kind of just, they come to you and you have to serve them or what does that look like? So because I work at a community clinic, we're a Medicare Medicaid clinic and we take everyone and anyone who walks in our doors. 
and which is a beautiful service. Right. It also means our waiting list is like huge. We have like a 300 person waiting list because it's just so many people need help right now. Yeah. Uh, and New York is massive. So um, I can't pick and choose who I would like to work with. Okay. Um, my ideal client, the ones that I get the most excited for are like the young adults, teen to like 30 year olds. Okay. I, I love that time period in someone's life and growth and development. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't mean I don't love working with older adults, 30 and up. Um, and it doesn't mean I don't like working with younger kids. Yeah. It just means that my sweet spot of where I have found my best strengths are for that kind of mm -hmm. demographic. For sure. Absolutely. I, I, I can relate to that too. Also, that's kind of my, where I coach also, it's like 20 maybe not 20, but like 22 to about 30. Mm -hmm. Usually the people that I have also, it's amazing. It's a great time. I'm 26 right now. And it's literally the best, like my mid twenties, like from 24 to now has been absolutely incredible. Like that's amazing. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> I love being, yeah, it's a great, it's a great time. But yeah. okay, so you say you have 30 to 40 people a week. Sometimes obviously clients are more draining. What do you do? Cause obviously I'm, I love to show what I do to prepare for client calls and podcasts. Do you do anything before you even have to like go to uh, a call? Well, every day I try to wake up and I'm a religious man, so I pray and I meditate and kind of reflect or introspect on the, what I have planned for the day yeah. to hope that things go as planned and go well, mm -hmm. whatever that means. Um, you know, because I can't always prepare for a call. I don't know what's going to be on the other side, depending on what right. that person's dealing with. But I try to make space in between each client to kind of breathe and take a deep breath and kind of step back for a second to kind of recalculate or get ready for the next person, maybe look at their case a little bit to remind myself about what they've been going through, where they're at, and then go for it. And, yeah. you know, whether it's for a podcast, whether I'm recording on my in that structure for yourself, but also realizing that you also need to be flexible. Yeah. For sure. So in the morning, you mentioned, I'm, I'm curious. So you do this a little, like a morning routine in the morning. So you pray and kind of do your thing. Is that every morning? Is that something that you need to do to kind of have a good day? Or what does that look like for you? I try to do it every morning. I'm not always <laughs> uh, great at it, depending on what my schedule is with my baby or my yeah. wife, getting her to work or all those little things that kind of push aside our plans. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to do the best that I can with kind of getting prepped or primed for yeah. the day. Uh, I don't have any of those cool like CEOs of like Tony Robbins, like jumping into the ice bath or like, uh, you know, going into that hot sauna or doing like some really intense breathing technique. Um, but it all depends on the day and what comes. And sometimes I have no prep and I just am thrown into whatever yeah. comes my way. And that could be a little frazzling sometimes. Sure. So in therapy, in like school, do they tell you or like talk to you about how much you do have to take on when, you know, you're in that room with somebody else and like how to not carry it with you throughout the day? I feel like that's, I don't know. I would love to say, I would love to say they did, but, um, you know, we all deal with it differently. Yeah. And we're all, and we all handle what we can expect coming out of that room or the office. I know that for me, I did an internship in a psych hospital and that internship kind of hardened me and made yeah. me thicker. My mm -hmm. skin was a lot thicker to deal with whatever intensity might come my way compared to maybe someone else who might've been in a lighter, quote unquote, easier therapeutic setting. Yeah, um, They might not have that experience. And I think experience creates your patterns for what you do to take care of yourself because you know, Brooke, how you deal with things are different than how I deal with things. Um, and maybe one person triggers you differently than it might trigger me. So yeah. it's all about, uh, there's no like one-stop shop rule that helps everyone, but it's not easy. It, it's really, it's really a, a mix and match of figuring out what works for you. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's really important too. Everyone's so unique. It's not one size fits all. It's everyone's so different. They have their own thing. Mm -hmm. Whatever works for them, works for them. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just finding that. 
Exactly. Which is important. You have to find that. <laughs> I think I, I, I posted this past week on Instagram, the idea mm -hmm. of that self-care is amazing and it's wonderful and it's really individualized. And the worst self-care is if you don't even do it. Right. Like self-care doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be out of the world. It could be just a simple, just five minute meditation. It could be um, taking a picture of nature. It could be going for a walk outside, hanging out with your partner, significant other. It could be just drinking your favorite cup of tea. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the expensive adventure to wherever you think of in your mind. Yeah, for sure. It could be something in your home or something that's like a stress ball in your hand. Exactly. It doesn't have to be out of this uh, ridiculous, out of the box thought process to help. For but sure. it has to be done. Yeah, it does have to be done. I like that you said that. No self-care is the worst self-care. Self and I saw your post. It was like one picture you had like the eye things underneath your eyes and the other one you were what with your wife and the other, the other one, one was, you were doing something You know else. what? I truly believe, my wife will laugh at me if I say this out loud. I think I have more moisturizers or, or things of that nature than my wife because I have dark circles under my eyes. I, I have oily skin since I was a teenager and I know I have to take care of myself. That's yeah. what I need for myself. And I love it. I enjoy it. And I invest in that. And it's not expensive. Just go to your local... CVS, Walgreens, Target, Walmart, whatever, wherever you live. And I love those things. You know, I really, when I posted that picture, I had a really stressful day that day at work. And it was a simple, like, eye underneath your eye, like, cooling. It was so relaxing. I had a warm, fuzzy robe on. It was just, it was all yumminess. So yeah. why not? It didn't, it cost me, what, $3? So, like, big deal. I know, that looked amazing. And I love that it's like, self-care looks different one to everybody but in different days too like one day you're doing the eye things the next day you're meditating the next day you're on a walk like it's different exactly. all the time so, and it so, has to you have to be able to realize that cycle and be flexible that yeah. one day something that might have worked yesterday might not work today yeah. so maybe switching it up and figuring out those little things that might help Yes, you mentioned two things and now I have a bunch of questions. So first of all, <laughs> that's what I'm best at, asking a ton of questions. Love it. Um, <laughs> the first one is, so obviously, you know, we're saying you have to find it. You have to find what feels good to you, what works for you, what your version of self-care is. But what would you say to somebody who is like, okay, I hear you, but how do I do that? That's a great question. So it's really about let's say there are so many resources online. You could talk to friends, family, look online of self-care tips. And there's hundreds and thousands of lists of little things here and there. I mean, everywhere, every therapist, every self-help coach, every business coach, every personal coach, developmental coach, all these people are posting self-care tips, self-care tips, self-care tips. Right. There's so many resources. It's just about mixing and matching and finding ones that work for you. And that's trial and error. Yeah. And the same thing goes for therapy. Same thing goes for medical doctors. The same thing goes for psychiatry and medications. You have to find what works for you and get and be patient with that process of finding the journey that helps you. Right. And there might be some downs and lows and failures, even though I don't like failure. The word failure, does, I just don't like that word because it's just a growth. It's, it's like a process. There's yeah. a lot of processes and a lot of ups and downs. And when you find the right one, you get into it. So like, I know I talk about this a lot on either podcasts or my friends. People know I love tea. I love tea. It is calming. It's relaxing. Yeah. And I have mixed and matched different styles of teas that I have found companies that I like. And I know that I like them. I buy a lot of it. So I always have it on hand. I always know I have it. So I don't have to worry about it. I know yeah. I love certain types of books. So I buy a lot of books. And I know if I'm feeling down, I get it. I like to journal. So I buy journals. And I write in that. Like, all these little things that I know that have worked for me that took me a while to get there. Once I know it's there and I know I got it, I get, I get it. And I don't change that. Yeah. I love that. It's like, there are so many resources, which is amazing. It can be overwhelming, but yes. the whole thing is, and I was going to say this too, is patience. It's, you're not going to, you can find it really quickly, you know, say you get lucky and you're like, Oh, this is great. But it's still, it's a journey. You still have to, it's, it's trial and error, like you're saying, but it's also that patience to actually want to do that. Yeah, and what worked, what worked when you were a teenager might not work when you're 20s, 30s, right. 40s, 50s, and it's about finding a different mix and match. For example, I never knew I liked mani-pedis until my wife took me for the first time. <laughs> right. Uh, I, was, I'm, I grew up as a you know, classic guy, 
who would ever think to go to Manny Petty's. Right. My wife took me as like a date hangout thing. We went. I love it. It's very relaxing. Do I go yeah. every day? No. Do I go once a while? Maybe. So like, it's about trying new things yeah. also, being open and being vulnerable to try things that you might not have thought would even be on your radar. Yeah. And, and, you know, and just to, if people are worried about people finding out and sharing, you don't have to share it with anyone. It's all about you. It's right. your journey. It's what you need. No one needs to know that you went and got a massage or, you know, waxing or your nails done or went golfing or whatever weird thing yeah. you love. No one has to know that. That's your personal care. So uh, just find it. That's all I'm saying. Just find it. Yeah. I love that. No one has to know. That's really important. Yeah. That's a good, that, yeah, that's a good way. If to that's the it. worst secret you have, right? you take care of yourself in a healthy, productive way. That's great. Now I'm not condoning like going all out on drugs and, yeah. you know, drinking that's unhealthy coping mechanisms. But if you're finding something that's productive and healthy and helps you. For sure. Great. Yeah, absolutely. So what did, okay. So say you find this self-care, I don't want to, do you call it routine? Whatever you want. Tip, routine, style, habit. Okay. So say, okay, so what do you think of the word routine? Do you think people can get really caught up in a routine and then not be able to be flexible? Because my whole question is around how to be flexible when your self-care routine doesn't look the same every day. Well, let's take a great example of right now, the pandemic, right? Yeah. I used to go to the gym a certain amount of times a week. I, right. used to do, I used to do CrossFit or different styles of workouts that I loved. And, and if I look at it as a routine or quote unquote, a ritual, mm -hmm. and then if I don't do it, something bad will happen, or I will not be happy, or I will not be okay. If mm -hmm. we rely so heavily on them as the only source of our happiness, yeah. once these change, we need to learn to go and flip with the flow mm -hmm. and roll with the punches because clearly we've all had to make pivots and adjustments right now with the pandemic, right? My wife and I invested in a Peloton. I'm not sponsored by them. If you're listening, I want to be. Um, yeah. I don't mind any of your cool clothes. Right? Get one for work also, okay? Yeah, please. <laughs> or any love company, right? yeah. I love it. So I might do it later today because right. I need to work out and I have found and I've tried different things. If I don't do it, does that make me less happy? Am I frustrated? Maybe, but it doesn't make me any less of anything. Yeah. So it's also about making sure that even though these rituals or routines or tips are there to help you when you need them, it's not the be all and end all of your life. Yeah. And when it becomes that way, that could be bordering on obsessive obsessions and maybe even unhealthy addictions. Yeah. You know, and you see those people who have to work out three times a day or else. Yeah. So we have to also have a balance of knowing sure. where, where we need it and where we want it and what is healthy and what is unhealthy practices. Yeah. So do you think the, the work like within yourself has to come first before you even have that routine so you don't make that kind of connection? I think sometimes they might go, I don't think they're exclusive, but I think yeah. it has to go hand in hand, right? I think we need sure. to work on ourselves as well as find things externally that help us. Because yeah. I think those two things happen. There's a lot of like research on, on the idea of smiling yeah like a fake smile that impacts your happiness mm -hmm. because what the fake smile does by utilizing those muscles it tricks your brain into pumping all the hormones that you need to make yourself feel happy yeah you're not really smiling and you're not really happy but you're doing an external thing to make you feel good yeah so i think the external thing that makes you feel good is important but you also need to internally actually work to be happy mm -hmm. you can't just rely on the fake smile to make you feel happy you also i think they go hand in hand yeah that one helps the other one scratches its back while the other scratches the other back and then kind of comes together in a beautiful dance and marriage to be able to create hopefully a full healthy person yeah absolutely for sure so you mentioned journaling too though do you i'm a huge advocate of journaling i talk about it all the time it's it's kind of what started my whole spiritual journey six years ago. So you, yeah. What's your journaling? Do you preach it too? Like, what does that look like? So I just found old journals when I was like nine years old. Wow. Cause I, I struggled with ADHD as a kid. I had a lot of anxiety as a kid. Um, and my mom was like, and I went to therapist. My mom and dad were like, maybe you should write your feelings down. Yeah. First of all, my spelling was atrocious. <laughs> And none of the, I can't read my handwriting. Dang. I have terrible handwriting. And 
I can't spell. So it was really funny to look back on it. And it was very revealing about where I was yeah. at nine years old. But then on top of it, I, I go through cycles of getting really into journaling. Yep. I find it very helpful because sometimes it's really about talking out things that are in your head that you might not want to say to someone else, maybe not even your therapist, your yeah. partner, your spouse, that you just want to get off your chest. And it's a great soundboard because it's you. Yeah. And it's a blank page of paper, a piece of paper. Now, still, I, I don't have to, you don't have to be expensive. I buy like a three pack of journals on Amazon and I go through them every, every couple of months, years, let's say, and I write what months they're from and I don't beat myself up if I don't do it. Yeah. When I do have the time and the brain power to sit down and do it, I embrace it and I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's not about I need or have to do it. It's that I, when I do do it, I enjoy it. Yeah. So it's like a no pressured situation. That's what I view journaling is. For and sure. even with my clients, I push journaling. Let's say from week to week, they forget what they want to talk about. Or they had something in the beginning of the week and they don't remember the next week. Yeah. Write it down. Go back to it. It's a yeah. great way to kind of get things in your, in your mind onto something tangible yeah. and then talk about it later. Yeah. For sure. I know I push it with my clients all the time too. That's like my last question. I'm like, okay, do you do journaling and are you okay with doing it? And they're always like, yeah, let's do it. But I feel like a lot of people, they're like, they kind of have that pressure because they think that it has to be this thing that looks a certain way, but it's like you're saying, it's not at all. It can be whatever you want it to. But a lot of people are like, well, I don't know what to talk about. I don't know what to write about. I don't know what to say. I feel like I need to make it perfect. Their handwriting needs to be perfect. All these things. And I'm like, no, it doesn't at all. I wish I had it next to me because it's in my bed, my bedroom next to my bed. Cause I do it before I go to sleep. If I ever do it, it's either before I go to sleep after I'm reading or something, or when my mind is kind of racing at night yeah. I kind of throw, and sometimes it's bullet points. Right. Sometimes it's not even full sentences. Yeah. Sometimes it could be a picture. Sometimes it could be anything. It's truly what I'm feeling in that moment. And I think that's a really hard thing that people deal with is the idea of perfection. I'll give you an example. I collaborated with another person. Um, I was going to ask you about this. So I'm so glad you brought it And up. the Wi-Fi was off. Mm-hmm. And, my, and you can hear the clicking or in and out of my AirPods with the talk. And my first thought is, ugh, it wasn't good enough. Yeah. But it was great content. So we are, as humans, we try so hard to put our best foot forward and be like this perfect being, whether it's with journaling, our body, our eating, our relationships with others and selves, our work, everything we're doing, it has to be good and great and amazing. When it's not, we get disappointed and have self-doubt. But journaling is supposed to be a healing thing. Yeah. It's supposed to be no judgment, no pressure, only you. And there are a lot of misconceptions about journaling. Oh, only girls do it. Oh, they had a weird journal, a diary, dear diary. You know what? You can buy the manliest journal if you want. There are leather oak wood journals out there. If you really think that that's going to make you feel better about yourself, go for it. But it's not about the external and who knows. Again, no one needs to know. It is a conversation between you and your mind and it doesn't have to be pressured. Just what are you thinking? It could be the weirdest thought. Yeah. Maybe the weirdest thoughts you had today or three things you're thankful for or what you think you have planned for tomorrow. What are you worried about in your past? All these little things you can write about. No pressure at all. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. Mine looks like that too. It's some days it's bullet points. Most times it's just scribbling whatever is on my mind really quickly or quotes or I like Mm -hmm. to read. So I'm always writing down what I find in a book. Um, yeah, absolutely. I've been, I've been journaling. I wish I've been journaling since nine years old. That's really cool. I have not been journaling consistently since okay. nine years old. <laughs> Still, that's so I cute. started when I was nine and it was like the marbled notebooks. Yeah. And I literally, my handwriting takes up half the page. That's it's so, so bad. <laughs> that's a, so, okay. This is a question. Do you think that kids should be journaling? I think it depends on the kid. Yeah. I know when I work with kids and they have a lot of pent up anger, or frustration about their family mm. or about themselves, write it down. Yeah. Get it out. Because what really happens with our brains is that we are, get so trapped in the negativity loops that we create, yeah. whether it's because of the life we have 
our belief systems, our perceptions of the world, that we create this kind of negative loops that eat us up. And then we then see the world with that negative cloud or loop. So if we get kind of get it out of our heads, look at it, process it, analyze it, talk it out, maybe even bring it to your parents. Yeah. Say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. Because sometimes you don't even know what you're feeling. Sometimes you never know how to understand it or explain it, but you're just feeling angry. Right. Get it out. Just get it out of your head. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like even with kids and anybody with journaling, I feel like it's always better out than in, you know what I mean? Rather than stuffing it down, it's great to just get it out onto the piece of paper. Is that a line from Shrek, better out than in, I always say? (laughs) Is it Shrek? It was about gas. It was about gas. (laughs) I used to watch Shrek a lot, so that's probably, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was saving that one all day. (laughs) Uh, But no, thinking about working with kids, though, it like just brings tears to my eyes because I want to do. I feel like it'd be so amazing. I would say it's it's really amazing work, but to me as a therapist, it's I find it the hardest. Oh, I bet because because I'm gonna talk about this hopefully next week on my Instagram, but. It's not just about you're dealing with the kids. You're also dealing with parenting yeah, and parenting styles. You're dealing right. with parents' expectations and perceptions of their children mm-hmm. and you as a therapist to say, fix my child. And yeah. that's a lot of pressure and parents don't have patience because their children are their babies. It's, yeah. it's like if my child was in danger or my child was in a bad way, I would want to do anything for them. And whoever I gave that, power to I would expect the best and expect everything to go right and you know I've dealt with parents whose kids are having hallucinations and it's so sad and I've dealt with parents whose kids have ADHD and the pressures that they put on their children and then I have kids who are dealing with ACS cases because of their parents so you're dealing with all these little things so honestly if I'm going to be totally honest my ideal client is not children yeah. Because it's so complex and so many right. moving parts, but I love children and it breaks my heart because I am a parent. So it's mm-hmm. this weird, weird, I weird. Yeah, I, I bet. I feel like, yeah, with the parent thing and this, I have this question, it came to me. Isn't it interesting that the parents are obviously putting their kids in therapy, which I think is great. Therapy is great, but shouldn't aren't the reasons the kids are in therapy is most times because of the parents? Sometimes. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know most or forever or always, but definitely a lot of times it could be just a household issue. Sometimes it's even just the kids' internal processing of yeah. saying, I suck, I'm terrible, I hate my life, this and this happens. you know. And sometimes it's really severe mental health issues that have nothing to do with parents. Yeah. Like the kid I told you who had hallucinations, yeah. he was having straight up like six sense hallucinations in my office. Wow. And he has no trauma in his past and nothing of that nature. And it's a biological thing. Interesting. And that's scary as hell. It was yeah. really, really scary to watch. Um, but at the same token, I truly believe that kids therapy, you also need to include parents in the therapy process as well. Right. And have family therapy, have not have the kids sit outside and do therapy with parents as well because they're also part of the equation when it comes to the kids yeah for sure i 100 percent agree yeah i come from a divorced uh like my parents are divorced so i feel like i've always just been so drawn to help kids like overcome that because i feel like especially now being at the age i am i do see some of the things from my past obviously is coming up now same, same. <laughs> we all have it yeah, it's habits how we process things mm-hmm. if a parent was either more anxious or angry or too happy or too overbearing or too loving or too the well too loving is not our biggest problem you know we should be so lucky to have parents who are too loving yeah. um, but all those negative let's say things later on in life all of a sudden something comes out and we go where the hell did that come from go oh okay and then all of a sudden it hits you um, it could be a big, big eye-opener moment for people. Yeah, absolutely. Does that make you, you're a parent. I'm not a parent. I'm obviously want to be someday. Does it make you nervous that you have that impact on your kid? Every day. Really? Wow. I'm going to ask that. And also I'm a therapist. So there's a classic thing like, oh, you're a therapist. You're probably going to mess up your children. Um, there's like a, like a joke, like a therapist kids are always messed up and go to therapy because 
you're always analyzing and go, oh, what do you mean by that child? Yeah. Um, but jokes aside, you know, there is a worry of mine, whether it's um, coddling my kid too much, holding them too much. But out of all the parenting books I've read in the training that I had, um, there is no such thing as giving your kid too much love. Right. In a healthy way. Right. Because kids need love. They thrive on love. They need sure. it. It's like life. If you ignore your children, that has darker and deeper effects than giving your kid too many hugs and kisses. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, are we teaching them good habits? Are they going to be raised in a good way? You know, are we teaching them healthy ways to process things, you know, and we'll never know until they get older. Yeah. So it's like you, you invest all this time and effort. Exactly. And then, but in the same time, I know what I'm doing and I'm very yeah. intentional with what I do, but I'm also human. So we also have to be okay with the fact that we make mistakes. For sure. And when our children get older and blame us for half the things that are wrong in their life, say, when you have kids, I'm sure you're going to do the same thing because you're human as well. Right. And you, you can't control everything and you just have to do your best. Mm-hmm. So I remind myself about that too. Like sometimes I'm like, oh gosh, is this going to ruin my child? She's a year right. and a half old. I really hope I'm not doing that much. That's so bad. Yeah. Like how do you even learn that though? Is it just something that like they're now into this world and you're like, all right, well, I feel like that's how I'm going to be. I'm just going to be like, all right, well, we're just going to figure it out. as. We yeah. Go. So first of all, you're never ready to be a parent, no matter how many right. books you read, because each child's different. Yeah. And it, they're human life. Yeah. So one day they could be really happy. Another day they can just be monsters. <laughs> and I call my baby, my little monster, because she's so cute and adorable, but she's curious and is like searching and gets into things, but she's doing it out of curiosity. Right. And, or my little monkey, because she's always like jumping on things. But <laughs> with her, it's really about just trying to be my best self. Yeah. And other than that, as long as she's healthy, yeah. fed, safe, enjoying her life, there's nothing more I can do at this moment. She's only a year and a half old. Right. Uh that's so cute. I saw a picture of a, a baby earlier and it makes me have baby fever so bad, but I don't know if you saw it, but it was a kid. She's meditating. Do you see that? Yeah. Have, do you, do you want to, I don't know if you meditate now, but is that something that you've done with kids or you would do with your children? I've done it with older kids, like nine to 12 in my practice. Okay. How does like that just, go? Um, fun. Yeah. Cause the kids like, like keep their eye one eye open. They're like, are we done with this? It's only, and it's only been like five seconds. They're like, Oh my God, it's been forever. So it's, it depends on the kid. Yeah, for sure. That I know I saw that and I was like, Oh my goodness. Cause it's, I feel like it's cool. I mean, she, cause I looked at her whole Instagram. She later explains how this two year old, she doesn't sit still all the time, but it's, I think it's amazing. To there are a lot of newer schools right now. There are a lot of newer schools right now that are trying to implement meditation and mindfulness into their, into their, um, curriculum i love and that like instead of having nap time yeah meditation and mindfulness at a young age it, it is it is an amazing skill which i do not have because of my adhd i'm literally playing with my feet underneath the table while i'm talking to you like i always have to move right so the idea of sitting still and just being still with your yeah. mind and your body and your heart it's a very amazing an amazing amazing thing to learn mm-hmm. definitely at a young age because sometimes it's very self self-soothing because life is crazy yeah. So to be able to just be and yeah. be calm and centered, I would have loved to learn that as a kid. Right. For sure. Absolutely. I'm totally gonna, well, my mom's a first grade teacher, so I feel like I should start teaching her and mm-hmm. then she should start implementing it. That would be really cool. There you go. Yeah. Family business. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That'd be sweet. But yeah, I feel like for my future children, I think meditation is definitely in their future. That'd be cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so I have, there's so many questions I still want to ask, but I want to make sure that we do cover tips for couples in quarantine, but also single people. But I do want to ask you, though, back to how you were talking about how you felt a little like self-doubt when it wasn't working on the other podcast. So do you ever, as a therapist, have this feeling of you need to be perfect for your clients? You can't show that you have this self-doubt. Like, have you ever felt that at all? I'm so glad you brought that up because this past week, I actually had one of my first real, not haters, but like people who criticized my page. Okay. And said that I was being inappropriate for posting so many pictures of my daughter. 
as a center of my talking of being a father, you know, as a therapist, we didn't, I didn't ask permission, all these kind of things for my daughter who's a year and a half old. Great. I embrace that. Thank you for the feedback. I appreciate that. Uh, And that it made her feel uncomfortable and it was inappropriate as a therapist. My wife and I had a long discussion about this, about why a therapist is held in a higher regard of being quote unquote perfect when I truly believe, I consider myself a modern therapist. I don't know what that really means in the scheme of the world of therapy, but Mm -hmm. I take who I am as a whole. I have a chronic illness that makes me a certain person. I, my wife and I went through infertility that makes me a certain person. My, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a male, I'm a religious Jew. All these things combine for me to be me. Mm-hmm. And I bring that onto my account and I bring that into my therapy practice. Now, I also create boundaries in my therapy practice. When I'm working in my office, most people do not know my intimate details of myself. Right. Unless I feel it's important to share. Mm-hmm. If someone's going through something and I share, well, I'm a parent, I totally get where you're coming from. Other than that, they don't know that much about me. Right. But as a social media person, I think it's important to make people understand that mental health, growth, wellness is about being a human with everything you are. Mm -hmm. And that's what I try to promote on social media and my talks of mental health and everything of that nature. Yeah. But my practice is different than my social media. Yeah. Because I have different guidelines and boundaries. But there is this sense. I remember when I had my first pa- I had my first panic attack after my baby was born. And I had this thought process in my mind of, oh gosh, I'm a therapist. I can't have anxiety. But then I took a step back and went, wait, I already have anxiety. Yeah. And I'm a therapist. And that's okay. So it's about sometimes there is this expectation internally of I need to be all put together and amazing because I'm helping other people who are all over the place or don't have their stuff together. I need to be that source. So it is hard sometimes, but working through that. Yeah, definitely. And I, yeah, I feel like it's almost better because I'm the same way too. I let everything fly, talk about everything. I love just being open about my experiences because I think, I know why not be authentic. Right. So yeah, it is interesting. I think it's great to open up like that and share. Because don't you think people relate more to you in that way than also? Yeah, when I was posting things about the struggles of being a father, I got so many messages from fathers saying, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Yeah. And just because I post about being a father doesn't take away the fact that my wife and I went through infertility and had struggles and I'm not supportive of that community yeah. because I also talk about that. And I also talk about the struggles of being a husband and the pros of being a husband mm-hmm. and what it's like being single and being married and being male and being woman. Like I, I take it all into account, yeah. but I can't make everyone happy, but right. I also have to be um, vulnerable and I have to be authentic to who I am. And yeah. I'm not going to hide that. And it's not like I'm posting nude pictures or inappropriate things. My daughter's never naked or nude. Right. Or I never, like I'm always sensitive about those kind of things. But at the same time, I want to embrace myself. And yeah. that's what I, how I do it. And I do the best I can. And uh, that's all I can do. Yeah, for sure. So what I, it's interesting you brought up the hater thing because I've had a few haters too. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I remember at the, at the beginning when I had my first hater, I don't know, it was like maybe a year or two ago, I got really upset about it. Like it it pinged my heart for sure. And now I can kind of brush it off and laugh at it when I get one, but what would be your tip or what's your advice as to when people are hating on you? What do you do? So just to clarify a little bit, the person started off as a hater and then we ended up having a conversation because it was like another therapist on the social media world. And we then had a really good conversation about what was happening and all these things. And it ended up being a great conversation. Right. Didn't mean it didn't cause me anxiety. Didn't mean it didn't make me upset and sad because I try to be full and wholehearted in everything I do. Right. And I think when haters come on, I think I always make a joke about this, but you can post about dogs and the entire cat community will hate you. (laughs) And you can post a cute picture of a baby and people will say, well, I don't have babies yet. How dare you? Right. No matter what you do, and I'm not taking away from the sensitivities of being careful and being, you know, really particular with what you post and how you say it and what you say and being sensitive. But at the same time, we can't make everyone happy. 
And haters are going to hate. Thank you, Taylor Swift, for that. But yep. haters are going to hate no matter what you do. Yep. You can be the nicest, special human being in the world. And someone's just going to say, you're too nice. What's wrong with you? Yeah. So Which you just have to take a little stride. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that we'll see somebody who's like smiling and be like, why are you smiling? Or why are you happy? Or I, have a, happy? I have a story about that. I'm gonna, that's going to be one of my podcasts um, in the coming in months about I had a moment like that that changed my entire life. I had someone yeah. yell at me and say, why are you smiling so much? Um, is something wrong with you? Are you retarded? And I hate that word. I hate that word. I don't even say it. I don't I say that word. I hate yeah. that word. Same. And they called me out. It was, and I was like, That's... and it shook me um, to the core. I was like 18. And after years of processing it and understanding, that person was just not a happy person. No, clearly and not. And I defined myself and my happiness and my smiley demeanor and my you know, charisma of just being with people mm -hmm. and it messed with me. So even when you're happy, people are like, why are you smiling? Why are you so happy? What's wrong? It's like, come on. You can't ever, you can't, it's, it's crazy. Cause then when you're upset, people are like, why are you upset? It's like, holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> just let me be what I want to be. It exactly. is. It? What do you think about that? How people are, they, you know, like this guy or whoever it was said that to you. What do you think about, so obviously it's their internal issue, but what do you think about that? Well, I think that people sometimes project their insecurities and worries and concerns on others. We all do that. It's a defense mechanism. When we're frustrated or upset, we kind of put it on someone else mm -hmm. um, because it's really hard to kind of admit to ourselves that we are actually the ones who have the problem. Right. So whether you have self-doubts about your marriage or relationship and you kind of throw it on someone else, or if you're angry and you, you know, make someone else look like they're angry, whatever it is, we all do it as a way to protect our, our inner selves from being hurt. Yeah. It doesn't make it okay, but we do it anyways. Mm -hmm. For sure. How do you stop or how do you even become aware that you are projecting? Therapy. Therapy. <laughs> or, some, or someone else who's objective who yeah. can say, no, like, that's not okay you're really feeling that way or kind of making someone aware it's kind of like opening up someone's eyes to maybe what they're doing that yeah. could be really harmful to other people for sure absolutely it's all yeah absolutely so okay where do i want to go with this next you should see this face i love it maybe you have to have me on a second time I know. I think we might have to, because I feel like this is so great. But another question I have just about therapy really quick, and then we're going to move into like tips and stuff. But have you ever, and this, yeah, have you ever thought like during a session or maybe at the beginning of when you were uh, just starting out as a therapist ever thought, wow, I don't, I don't know if I can help this person or I have this doubt that I can't or I'm not good enough, you know, to help them or whatever it may be. hundred percent, hundred percent. I remember many times, even now, sometimes yeah. I'm not the most seasoned therapist. I've only been doing this for a little over three years. There are people in this business who've been doing it 10, 15, 30, 40 years. My supervisor, uh, my older supervisor's name is Dr. Rustin, um, used to work as a therapist when Martin Luther King was assassinated. Wow. So he's been doing this for like 30, 40 years. And even he was like, sometimes I think to myself, like I can't, I'm not be able to help this person. But one of the things that really helps me is I saw this in a Lori Gottlieb's book. Maybe you should talk to someone. Um, this mantra in the beginning of her book that says that when she's struggling with a patient or client, depending on where you're at yeah. um, and how you refer to someone, it's, this is a human being. This is a human being. This is a human being. Yeah. And sometimes it's really about being there and listening. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's about having good feedback. And sometimes it's just being there with another human being. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be the smartest person. Yeah. You just have to be a human being helping another human being. It just, you have come some extra training behind you. Yeah. Right. That's all it is. Yeah. Therapy. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I feel like I've at the beginning when I first started coaching, I feel like that's kind of something I struggle with too. I would be like, how can I help this person? Whatever. But I feel like now I've 
gotten better at it when it does come up, say in the middle of a session and I'm thinking, okay, what am I going to do next? What am, how am I going to help them? How are we going to work through this? As soon as I can see that and see that I like, am aware that I'm like thinking that I immediately kind of like what you're doing, just think like they're human or just taking a breath and just letting that go. Cause then it usually, what we're going to do usually just comes up next. You know what I mean? Like even just yeah. letting go of like that thought and just like breathing in and becoming present and like letting that thought go. It's helped me so many times. But even if you think about it, experts and top doctors and philosophers and educators have things that they don't know and they go back to their library and research them. Yeah. Even, you know, I've been to many doctors. I have a chronic illness. I have Crohn's. It's a stomach issue. And I have doctors that I've been to and they're like, yeah, I might not know. Let me go. Let me get back to you. Let me research right. it. It's okay to say, I'm not sure. Let me find out because I can't help you the best that I can, but I know that I will look and do my best right. for you when I'm ready. Mm -hmm. And that's an okay statement to say. Right. People would appreciate that more rather than you lying or, you know, not like it's just you being honest and then coming back with an answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Sweet. Okay. I think that's all those questions that I have. <laughs> that was great though. I think there's a lot of great information in there. Um, but obviously we know what's happening. COVID struck. Oh, how many months ago? A long time ago. <laughs> I, first of all, how has that been for you? I know you said you're married and you have a one and a half year old. So I'm not married, but I'm in a relationship and I live with my partner. So how has it been for like a married couple living, you know, doing quarantine and then also having a one and a half year old? I love this question because my wife said something to me about like two, three months ago. She said, I'm missing, missing you. Yeah. Because usually she would go to work for the day. I would go for the work for the day. My baby would go to babysitting. Yep. And then we would come and miss each other and be so excited to see each other. Right. And it's not that we don't love seeing each other all day, but like there's no break of, of being on top of each other. Knowing I know exactly what she ate for lunch, where she is at all times because she's in the house. Yeah. Like she's here. So there right. isn't like, oh, what'd you do today? I know exactly what you did today. Not in a weird stalkerish way, but like in a, I'm around you. And yeah. she knows what I did. So conversations can be limited. Um, the idea of actually missing someone can be limited. That's excitement. That's exciting during sure. a relationship. Um, for my baby, it's a lot more TV than we probably expected. A lot yeah. more Disney uh, and PBS and like Sesame Street, which she's learning how to talk and count. So I'm not against that. Right. It's also about um, trying to not be hard on herself as parents to make sure that she is just so happy, but to yeah. be okay with that. Okay, we did not go for a walk today because it's snowing or we didn't do this because it's COVID. We can't go out and we had to cancel a few trips. We have to just be okay with that and do the best we can because COVID's like messing with everyone, not just us, everyone. Mm -hmm. And we're all juggling it in our own ways, some better than others. But for me, I would have to say, I have never spent more time with my daughter and I'm loving it. Yeah. And I've never, um, I got to see her walk. I got to see her crawl for the first time. Right. Um, talk. She's, you know, brings so much light to my day. Mm -hmm. And then my wife, I'm able to see her every day. Yeah. Which is also really nice, even though, yes, I don't get to miss her, but I also get to see her every day. Yeah. And spend time with her when we have breaks. That's, that's like a really special time. So a lot of negatives, but some pros that I've seen throughout the COVID, you know. Time. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, obviously we weren't expecting it, right? So it was just kind of a thing we all had to get adjusted to. We had to get on it fast. We were like, we got to be fast, there. For sure. But I feel like a lot of people, myself included, and I don't know about you, but I've learned a ton. Like since COVID hit, I've had a lot of clients, they say they've started the business they wanted to. They finally are taking class or whatever it may be. You know, they're actually doing the thing that they've always wanted to do, which is so cool. I started a podcast during Corona because I never, I never found the right time. Right. Oh, I'm busy with this. I'm traveling yep. with this, with going to work and coming back and taking care of the baby and all these things. Now, it's not that I have more time. It's that for some reason, because we're home, we can just do more in our day. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, and it doesn't mean that you have to have pressure to be productive now more than ever. But I thought to myself, hey, I have all this extra time. 
I have hours of not traveling. You know, my baby's in babysitting, so I don't have to watch her in the morning when she usually would be in the house. Yeah. Let me take advantage. Right. And it's about not putting pressure on the productivity, but when you do have a, opportunities, be productive. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like for me, like during quarantine, the one thing I've started my podcast too, and I was just sitting in here one day and I was like, because I've been talking about podcasts for like a year. Same. I've always wanted to, but I thought I didn't have a name. I didn't have a, like the episodes planned out, like all these things that I thought you had to have, you mm -hmm. know, but I was sitting in here and I was talking to my assistant and I was like, what am I doing? Like, there's no better time than right now. So we literally just got on the phone that day and recorded it and started it. Like, it was like so quick. Amazing. But, but what made me realize, like during quarantine, what I realized is don't wait for things. Cause I feel like, you know, you can wait for the perfect time. You can wait for a lot of times you like, for me, I passed out in the grocery store a month ago and ended up hitting my head and getting a concussion. I passed out, like, this whole thing. So, I've, it's like, and but I wasn't eating healthy before then. So, it's like, don't wait until your health deteriorates to start mm -hmm. eating healthy and being healthy. You know what I mean? Just stuff like that. Like, I'm realizing, like, don't wait to do these things. Because well, I'm really glad you're okay. What I'm, you really gl I'm really glad you're okay. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and I agree with you. Yeah. Because I'm not saying this in like a, the world's ending kind of thing, but we just, yeah. you know, I was always taught at a young age, it could be maybe a religious thing, I don't know, that the only time is now. Yep. If not now, then when? And it doesn't mean that if you aren't doing something, you suck. Yeah. It doesn't mean that. It just means that if you can do something, try to do what you can when you can. If it means like, I was always taught to say, I love you to every single, not every single person, that's a little ridiculous. <laughs> say, I love you to the people in your life, whether it's your parents, your spouse, your partner, your children, every day, morning and night, because you just don't know when someone leaves the house, sure. if they'll come back. And I don't mean that in like a sad way, but it's true. Yeah. You know, we don't fun. know. Yeah, exactly. We don't know, you know, working out, let's say, you know, my wife goes on the Peloton and she doesn't do a class. She'll bike and read because yeah. at least she's moving because she says, I might as well move while sitting. You know, if I'm going to sit and read, might as well. so it's all these little choices that we can make in right. our daily life. And I think Corona has one taught us to appreciate the life we had. Mm -hmm. Simple things like being able to buy as men, as much toilet paper as we want. Yeah. Right. And now we have to like only one, sir. And you're like, oh, okay. Right. That was nuts. I was in LA when that happened and we were trying to find toilet paper forever. I was in a supermarket right <laughs> when it hit and People had carts of chicken and meat. I mean, wow. cartfuls. And I said to the person in front of me, I said, excuse me, ma'am, is everything okay? She's like, well, I don't know when I'm going to get to another store again. And like took majority of the chicken in the store. I'm like, you know, there are other people here. It's a whole nother story. But Sheesh. it appreciate us about, it really helped us appreciate our resources. Yeah. Uh, it helped us, I think, take advantage of time. Uh-huh, for sure. I think it made us appreciate family and friends that we took yeah. for granted. Mm -hmm. And it also made us really appreciate the sensitivity of our health. Yeah, big and time. And how, fra how fragile life is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. So many lessons through quarantine. Like, there's a million <laughs> lessons. I feel like that could be a whole series of, like, every episode. Go for it. Lesson. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so my, I think... One that I came, a question I thought of is obviously different places are different with like lockdowns and stay at home orders and stuff like that. But say you're a single person, you want to find love. What do you do now? How do you even find it? I don't know if you've talked to people about this or not. I get this question so often from friends, from, ther from therapy clients, from relationship coach clients who are like, I want to find love and I don't know how. So right. I am not very good at the online dating scene. I never did it, never had to do it. I met my wife through friends and naturally through the things that we were involved right. with. Thank God, because dating online is hard. And I think right now you need to be safe and careful. Yeah. Because you don't know who the person is on the other line, on the other side of the internet. But at the same time, it is about finding out what you need and how long you're willing to wait for it and fight yeah. for it. So that journey doesn't have to be fixed now. 
right? Love is a journey. It takes time. It has to be found and worked on and built on healthy foundations. And I personally believe as a therapist, meeting through video, I do not believe is the best thing for actually creating that healthy basic foundation right. of chemistry and vibing and attraction and all those things that are the starting forces of a good relationship. Right. Um, because, you know, how do you trust someone who's on a video? You don't know if they're wearing pants. You know, like, right? They could be sitting there. I'm wearing there. sweatpants. So am I, right? I'm wearing sweatpants too. Exactly. But at least I'm wearing pants, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I know that's a weird thing to say, but it's true that you just, you, don't, you have to be it very safe true. and careful. Yeah. You know, it's really about being patient with the times that we're in. Right. You know, before Corona, were you fighting hard for love as well? Yeah. Or only during Corona where you're like, oh crap, I need to figure this out. Yeah, that's so true. So where's your head at? Were you actually as intense about it before? Because if not, you can wait a little bit longer. Yeah. And if you were, then it's about readjusting and pivoting and just being mm -hmm. a little bit patient. For yeah. this, because you need to make sure that if you're finding love, you do it in a healthy right way yeah. or that love will not be good. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you can just take this time to work on yourself. Yeah. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> I think that's the most important, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So then that's a good tip. Obviously be safe if you're single and you're meeting people online, because especially if you're not meeting them in person, you never know. That's so true. Yeah. Okay. What about people who are living together now? Okay. So for you, so you're, you're and your wife, you guys went from, you both had before quarantine or before COVID, you had jobs outside of the house. Mm -hmm. So now you're both inside working. Mm -hmm. Yes. How do you find, and then you're saying that you're, you're, you miss missing each other. So one, yeah. how do you try to miss each other more? And then two, how do you also try to make sure you're working also at the same time? So I think it's a few things. I think one, the biggest thing is respecting each other's space. Yeah. So I know I can't speak for everyone because everyone has different um, house structures or apartment structures and space, hmm. but we left our apartment. We have given up our apartment and moved in with my parents so we can have some space. Yeah. I am working in a bedroom or one of the living rooms. Uh, my wife is working in another room, even though now she's going back to work. My father is in another office um, because we have the space. But yeah. I think the hardest time right now is that everyone's so on top of each other and also our roles are yeah. so mixed and matched because before if I was at work, I was at work. You couldn't get me. Yeah. I couldn't take care of dishes. I couldn't help with the baby. I couldn't, you know, go shopping. I couldn't run around and do this errand or that chore. Yeah. But now when the second I'm off of a call, I have 15 minutes. What can I do? Yeah. Day? So it's also about respecting each other's time that if you're working, you're working. I'm not here. If it's an emergency, of course, yeah. get me but I'm if, respecting each other's space and time for what they're doing. Yeah. I think the other thing is making special time for each other. Right. It doesn't have to be sex. It could be anything. It could be watching your favorite TV show, movie, doing a puzzle, um, talking, cuddling, yeah. having a nice meal or something like that, ordering in, um, or just being with each other. Make right. special time. Make it a date night. Yeah. It doesn't have to be so fancy. You don't have to go to a fancy restaurant or do something outside, yeah. you know, depending on where you live and what the rules are that changes, of course, but be safe. But on the top of that, make time for each other yeah. and respect each other's time when they're not able to be with you. Mm -hmm. And um, it's also about giving those small little tips, the little things of love, whether it's a small little kiss on the cheek or a small little, hi, how are you? How's your day? Or a little like love tap, anything of those little nature that can create little tidbits and like, yeah. love moments or nuggets of love I think is really important since we're so on top of each other all the time For so sure. and the last thing is to be okay with the resentment not the resentment but the frustrations that come with this time yeah because we don't have those natural breaks in our schedule or those natural space that we have normally that we need to not take it so personally if someone gets frustrated with us because this is really hard yeah and you have to be patient with yourself if you get frustrated with your spouse or partner and sure. they need to respect you and you need to respect them when they have those feelings of frustration as well Yeah, absolutely. because it's hard. Yeah, for sure. 
It is. I know I'm, my boyfriend's a personal trainer, so he'll like be in the, in the living room, which is on the other side of this door behind me or the not door, the wall. So he'll be teaching a class sometimes. And it, well, the other day he was teaching a class, but I was trying to record a meditation and our walls are so thin. And I was like, holy moly. So I had to stop, which is fine because his class, you know, it's actually live and, you know, stuff like that. So I was just like, maybe it's not the right time for me to be med recording a meditation right now. So I'll just stop. But it has been something we've had to be, you know, work through also, you know, it's but communicating, it is, it definitely is like, I'll tell him before, like, hey, I'm doing a podcast, just keep it down a little bit. So, so my wife and I, we, we actually started a shared calendar because That's of Corona because on Google or whatever, um, because I have a lot of podcast things I record, I do this, that, and the other thing I'm working, I, she has doctor's appointments, we're doing this, that. So just to know where someone's at, so that I don't have to continuously have to actively communicate. And I think it's important to, I like that you said, I communicate. You have to communicate. Because yeah. mm -hmm. if someone doesn't know what you're thinking or expecting for that day or that time, automatic argument, frustration. Yeah. It's automatic. It's not mm -hmm. even a question. And it takes a very big person to say, you know what? My time is more flexible. His time is more um, rigid. I have that. If I'm going to call with a client, I cannot be doing other things. Yeah. I need to be totally, totally locked in, focused. My wife, her job is that she can do things and do it later. Yeah. She's a dietitian at a okay. hospital, so she can make her phone calls 10 minutes, 15 minutes later. It's not a scheduled time set yeah. in stone. My client, if it's at three o'clock, it's, it's at three o'clock. Mm -hmm. So it's about adjusting that. And then when I, I have opportunities to help her, I help her so that she can do her job. So it's really about this dance and give and take, but you need to communicate that give and yeah. take mm -hmm. because it's really hard right now. Yeah. I like that you said, I say this a lot too. It's like, you can't expect them to know if you don't tell them, like you can't because then it's not valid for you to get mad because you didn't tell them. So yep. it's, yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that for sure. And you mentioned you guys have a shared calendar, which is really, really smart. I'm going to have to do that with my boyfriend too, which is, that's a genius idea, but you guys, that's all her smart. She's a smart girl. She's a smart woman. Yeah. Do you guys talk about it? Like, do you guys have set? So you have the calendar, but there's, there, was there anything else that you do? Like, um, before the day starts to let them know like, Hey, I'm yeah, of course. Why not? It doesn't hurt to give a reminder. Like, Oh, by the way, tomorrow I'm doing this, this and that, or in the morning, my wife asked me this morning, she's like, what's your schedule? Like after work, yeah. when do you end work? I said, end work at two. And then I'm on a, a podcast with Brooke. She goes, oh, yeah, okay, I saw on the calendar. When will you be done? I said, it says from this time to that time. We'll make it work. She's like, oh, yeah, I'll take care of this, this, and this. You can just do this and that afterwards. Mm -hmm. Great. Conversation happened. Communication happened. We came up with a plan. Does it always work? No. But at least we talked it out, and now we are aware. Yeah, and on the same page. Exactly. Yeah. I know. That's my favorite question. I feel like I ask my boyfriend, Phil, this it's every day and probably a few times a day. It's like, okay, what do you have today? Just so I know like what's going on. But and it doesn't mean that you don't care. It doesn't mean that you're not paying attention, even though he might've told you before. It's just your way of being aware of what yep. to expect for the day. Exactly. And some people get annoyed by it being asked too many times, but I truly believe it's another person, a spouse or partner's way of showing I'm interested and care about your time. Yeah. I want to know how to help. And I need you to tell me again, just so I'm fully there with you to help you yeah exactly and i was like there's dishes in there i'm gonna wash them don't wash them while i'm podcasting i'll do it afterwards and he's like okay i was like all right deal he was like of course of course do it yeah i'll respect yeah. that <laughs> yeah he's like i don't i don't want to touch him anyway <laughs> no i'm just kidding he's great at doing the dishes <laughs> very thankful do you ever feel pressure or like feel bad that you're not hanging out with your wife if she's not working because I feel that sometimes sometimes it depends on her her state of mind so we kind of have different styles of love right the love languages classic yeah. things right yeah. um and with that it all depends on our moods so if my wife has had a very long day I know she just wants to sit and veg yeah. And that could be either reading, that could be watching a TV show, Bachelorette or Bachelor, whatever she watches. And I did used to watch it with her to help to be sitting with her. And right. now I now I can't not watch it because it's just like it's a, it's, I can't stop watching it. It's just oh, best. you like it? 
I, I used to not, and I was very resentful. I was like, I'm only watching this because you want me to watch with you and spend time with you. But now I'm like, oh, what happened? Oh, he said that? Like, I got so into it. So all the, all the dudes out there who watch with their spouses, I'm with you on that one. But it's also about knowing what she, her needs are yeah. and asking, like, what do you want from me? What can I help with you with? Or just being intuitive and being aware of yeah. like, maybe she wants space. Maybe she wants to hang out. But there is some time where I get frustrated with myself that I'm not on 100%, which is why I don't do podcasts every night, which is why yeah. I don't do things and I make time for her as well as myself because I'm an individual and so is she and we're also yeah. together. So we have to find time for our own things and for each other. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm, like yeah. I'm like, yep, no, I 100% agree. Absolutely. <laughs> well, okay. So I feel like that was amazing. And I want people to know where to reach or find you and know, and if you have anything coming up or you want to share or anything, please let us know. Of course. So you can find me on Instagram at elevation underscore therapist. I have a podcast called the dude therapist and I have a website elevation.org. I have a giveaway, a holiday giveaway that just went out. If you go check it out on my page and uh working on different things you know podcasts this that and the other thing and hope to hear from everyone who's listening and if not wish you guys happy holidays all the best for everything you're doing amazing thank you so much and for the last question i guess you have anything or like what's your favorite piece of advice that you want to give people right now i always love to say my favorite quote is from i heard it from kung fu panda but i know i know it's not from there right it's yesterday is history tomorrow's a mystery and today is a is a gift which is why they call it the present so i think it's really important that we cannot get so caught up on the past it can define us it can impact us but we have to let it go we will not know what happens tomorrow and we can only live in today and do the best that we can with what we have every day and i think that's very specific to corona because tomorrow the rules can change and the next day can change back to something else. And we have to learn to go with the flow and just be with ourselves and with those around us and give ourselves more love and care during that present time. Mm -hmm. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. It's been a pleasure, really. It's been great. Thank you for having me, Brooke. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for everyone who is listening. I will catch you next time on the Honest Podcast. Peace. <laughs> okay, cool.